Welcome to the Coppreneur Path Podcast. Welcome to the show that is all about the path from cop to coppreneur. I'm your host, Adam Wills. With this podcast, I am going to help equip you for your own post-law enforcement entrepreneurial journey with lessons learned from my experience growing a successful post-Leo business. You'll also get to hear from fellow coppreneurs and experts in business and marketing whose advice will give you an edge against the competition. You are in the right place. So let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Coppernewer Path podcast. I'm your host, Adam Wills, and I've got co-host Austin Mulsick here with me today. What's up, Austin? Adam, how are you doing? Uh, we've got a very interesting guy out here um, experiencing much sunnier weather from the background that I can see there, all the way out from Charleston. Uh, Mr. Luke Lehman, how are you, sir? I'm well, Austin, Adam, happy to be here today. It's, uh, super exciting as we kind of look into the summer months and what's happening with some macroeconomic conditions to talk about entrepreneurship and leadership and what we can do to make some impact in the world. Oh, we're bringing out the big words already. I like it. <laughs> All right, man. So uh, you went from flying the skies to uh, flying the ship of several seven-figure and even eight-figure businesses. Uh, and you know, I, I'm just amazed, I guess, first and foremost, just anytime I meet somebody who's a former pilot, uh, especially a fighter pilot, because that just seems so cool to me, man. It's like, it's, that's an experience I, I could never have. And, um, so I, I admire your background just in that alone. Um, uh, so thank you first and foremost for your service. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, certainly, I, uh, you know, it's interesting. I just posted something on Facebook about that. I used to have a hard time just saying thank you. You know, probably much like law enforcement. You know that, that I get a it. Young, young <laughs> cop, young fighter pilot that says, "Oh no, thank you." You, you know, to redirect that. So first, uh, yeah, first you're welcome. But also, you know, as a as a fighter pilot, not really a high threat environment. So I was working around it, twenty thousand feet flying jets. Hardly the, um, you know, the some of the conflict that others have seen. So I guess where I want to start with you, Luke, is um, you've you've come up with this idea uh, and, and have self-proclaimed cracked the code uh, of how to live with intentional alignment between your business and your personal life. And, and I think that's a great place to start because let's just be honest, uh, most entrepreneurs really struggle with that, especially I want to say entrepreneurs that are former military veterans, law enforcement, or any first responder, really, because we're very type A, typically. Uh, and we have a very driven personality. And we carry that into our lives as entrepreneurs. And if we don't have a, a good hold on it, and we don't have checks and balances in place, it can get a little bit out of control. Yeah, type A is great. And, you know, I, one of the things that's lately come up is probably for me as some undiagnosed ADHD or obsessive compulsive or something that, you know, if, if some of your listeners have found that they struggle with that, maintaining focus and, and really staying engaged in the entrepreneurial journey, you'll find yourselves in good company. But being type A is great. Being type A at the cost of all others is not great. And the, the mistake that young entrepreneurs make is that they think that the wealth generation is the hard part. That's not the hard part. That's actually the easy part. 
once you find a good marketing strategy, good lead generation source, good sales campaigns, and be, have the ability to build a team, the rest of it's frankly pretty pretty easy. The challenge is the scalability, the growth of it. I, I can take any entrepreneur right now and put them on a path for $100 of income to them within the first six months. It's, it's just not that hard. Uh, we can go start a barbershop. We can start a lawn care company. We can... Uh, we can buy a business that's already producing it, and that's you know outside of the scope of what what most people think. The challenge that that most young entrepreneurs face is that they have a mindset and an identity of that of an employee. They they want to assume that next level. They want to become that next person, but they don't yet know how to do it. And as they as they say, all right, I'm gonna I want to be my own boss. That's the first language that we use. I, I want to use my own boss, especially for cops. Yeah. Uh, service members are the same. I want to be my own boss. Do you? Do you want to be beholden to the taxpayers? Do you want to be beholden to the IRS? Do you want to be beholden to your coworkers, your peers, your vendors, your customers? You got bosses. They're just different bosses. So I think, you know, to start there out in the, as I start this venture, is that you have to first become the type of person. You have to assume the identity of the entrepreneur. And when you look at me, I'll tell you what I don't do. I don't do 80-hour work weeks. I look for ways to leverage the unique skill sets that I have. I look for ways that I can build a team. And what always comes to mind when I go back to this, there was a Bigger um, bigger Pockets podcast, and I listened to it probably a decade ago. And it was talking about where you add value. And if you're painting the walls... And if you're laying the carpet or laying the tile, then you should expect to get compensated like a painter or a tile mason. So you have to find where you can add value into the company. And the sooner that you can begin to hurdle those challenges and find new ways to add value, the quicker that you can move through it. So intentional alignment for me is very simple, health, wealth, and relationships. But when you neglect one to chase the other, it's going to lead to burnout. If you stop doing exercises so that you can get wealthy, if you neglect your family, friends, social engagements, you're going to find yourself in burnout. And it, and it can happen in 30 days. It can happen in three years. But the sooner that you can learn to live with intentional alignment, be focused on those three areas, the easier this whole journey becomes. You know, I'm glad that you touch base on the the point of you got, you've really got to start to live that uh, which you want to become first. Uh and I think that that's really a challenge for most entrepreneurs, especially in this space, when we're talking about first responders, military veterans, because I know stepping out into the entrepreneurial world for me after my law enforcement career, I really struggled with some imposter syndrome. I really struggled with uh, doing something that was no longer law enforcement. And how did I drive that correlation? How do I step into this new identity, if you will, and not not just the identity, but how do I command it, right? How do I command it? How do I be confident in it and know that I can be competitive in that space? Uh, and, and I think that's the biggest hurdle, right? Is first get cut, overcoming that imposter syndrome. Impo well, first off, Adam, yeah, imposter syndrome is real. And I appreciate your vulnerability in speaking about it. And you don't have to you don't have to get so mired down in it, you know, in the, in the young entrepreneurial journey. I am, I face imposter syndrome every day because I have to continue to change the way that I am. But, but when you look at it from a myopic standpoint, you were never qualified to do the thing that you are. You're just comfortable with it today. But at some point you couldn't walk and at some point you couldn't talk. And at some point you couldn't be a cop or a fighter pilot. Yeah. And what happens, there's actually, I talk about this a lot on my podcast. 
there's a lot of brain science associated with this. And when, when you talk about imposter syndrome and you begin to get curious about where it comes from, it's actually quite easy. The brain science is that your amygdala as part of your limbic system is designed in that protection of your basic human needs. That's the fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. So when you are going to change something in your environment that is going to move you away from safety, you have to now use your neocortex, the, the front part of your mammalian brain, to think critically that this is an okay thing for you. And that concept there of imposter syndrome happens. It's also the same. It's the same place that happens when you get into um, overwhelm. That's the other word that happens in there is that you're in this battle now back and forth between your reptilian brain and your, your mammalian neo, neocortex, the, the left and right lobes as you know it. So, you know, the good news is it's science. You can figure it out. Now, what do you do about it? Because when you're stuck in that imposter syndrome, and I was right there, Adam, I, when I left the Air Force, I left to go be an airline pilot. And it was so incongruent with my core values that I, I literally just quit. But you want to talk about imposter syndrome. My identity was that of an aviator one day. And then the next day it wasn't. So now my brain's battling back and forth. My amygdala is telling me to stay safe. And it's trying to do things to keep me so small. Go get another airline job. Go, uh, go fly for a living because that's what you know how to do. So when you can become present to it, now you can allow that smarter portion of your brain to overpower it. And this, the true secret to that imposter syndrome is simply just shortening that time. If you can sit in it and sit in minutes instead of hours, you can hit those breakthroughs quicker. But I'm the same thing. I mean, Adam, I've never run a nine-figure business. So I have to change. The business needs something different of me in order to get to a nine-figure. And I suffer from the same level of scarcity as a brand new entrepreneur. I just have hundreds of thousands of dollars of payroll. I just have more customers that are reliant upon me. But my systems and processes that are in place are not commensurate with a nine-figure business yet. So I have to first assume that. And I'm right there with you, Adam. I'm in that spot right now. The difference between me and most young entrepreneurs is I just shorten it and I can do it in seconds or minutes of what takes some people weeks or months to do. So I'm going to keep with it. Um, and I, You're going to have to forgive me. I'm sure you know it, but I can't remember his name right now. Uh, the guy that came up with the OODA loop. Yeah, Boyd, I think was his name. Yeah, Boyd. Um, Colonel Boyd. So... Uh, how much or what are you doing that's different that's allowing you to go through and shorten that to go from weeks or months into minutes or seconds or you know however long um what's different in there and what did you learn along the way that you just have to not care about or discard or just address later Uh, what's the method in here that was most helpful for you to start shaping that reaction time off The, the OODA loop is very left brained it is a complete left brain analytical approach. Observe, orient, decide, act. Observe, orient, decide, act. Observe, orient, decide, act. And it completely neglects your own human emotions there. And when one of the things that you'll notice about folks as they zorch through seven or eight figures is they become very right brained because people don't actually care about your analytics approach. When I lead folks, I can tell them, and I can lead employees, I can lead customers. I can give them very logical approaches that says that here's the next three steps that you need to take. 
but they don't want to know my steps. They want to know that I see them. They want to know that I understand what's in it for them, that I can connect with where they are and encourage them to come along. So that observe, orient, decide, act is a, it's a great model, but it's very left brain. So when we pull it back and we understand what it takes on the emotional components, and that goes back to the identity component, I have to first become that. If I'm doing an observe, orient, decide, act as a fighter pilot, it's like, imagine it as a, in two dimensions. I've got a flat plane that I need to turn up now, PLA and e, just the circle there. And I need to turn that up vertical. I need to skip over the top. Well, you can't do that. Einstein said a problem can't be solved in the same plane that it was created, right? So the same level of thinking, I can't solve that problem. So if you go observe, orient, decide, act, and you get back to observe again, but you're observing it from the same map of the world, that same territory, the same problems that you see, you're going to get right back to the same start line. You come up with the same solutions. Yeah. And, and you just, it's an endless cycle. Yeah. Same solutions. And when I say right now, what does the company need from me? Well, it doesn't need what it needed two years ago. That's what it needed for me to get to seven. And that's what it needed for me to get to eight. So when I do my personal wealth creation now, so when we go back to living with intentional alignments, we say, how do I not, not, is it possible? It's not A or B, it's choosing A and B. How do I make sure that I only work six hours a day, seven hours a day, eight hours a day? How do I put the pen down? How do I make sure Saturday and Sunday are clean? Because I got a six-year-old and an eight-year-old and they are the most unforgiving people when it comes to the allocation of my time. <laughs> yes, they are. You know, I've, I've got a seven, a five, a three, and a one-year-old. And so, yes, I, I know exactly what you mean, my man. Yeah. And they're just not going to forgive you, Adam. You, you know, if you, if you generate your wealth and you have great generational wealth on their, on your deathbed, they're not going to come back to you and say, thanks for that million bucks that you left me, but you were absent for my entirety of my childhood. So that's, that's the game. Now, my goal is to leave my kids with nothing. So that's <laughs> Bounce uh, the last check. I love that. <laughs> I don't, I don't want them to be entitled. Yep. I, uh, I, I plan to leave them with nothing other than the skills that I uh, demonstrate. So that's, that's my point. <laughs> hey, uh, Luke, I want to shift gears here a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of your, your philosophies and thoughts on, on marketing. Um, but before we do that, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Hey, Adam here, just taking a quick break. Do you want to turn your website visitors into loyal fans? I want to let you know real quick about a free guide I wrote that will teach you how to use email marketing to educate and nurture your subscribers. Did you know that email marketing gives an average return of $44 for every $1 spent? If you've tried email marketing in the past and have been unsuccessful, this guide will give you everything you need to get it right and start seeing results from your efforts. Just go to leo2ceo.com forward slash email dash guide and you can download the guide instantly. Again, that's leo2ceo.com forward slash email dash guide. Back to the show. Okay, Luke, so you mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, uh, you have your own podcast, the Shift Work Podcast. And in your, your most recent episode, episode 26, uh, titled How to Increase Revenue with Storytelling, you talk about this concept of storytelling. And obviously, you know, this is sort of a loaded lead in because uh, you and I have talked previously and you know that I'm a story brand guide and I highly uh, stand behind the concepts of storytelling from a business and marketing standpoint. But I want to hear some of your unique thoughts on the topic uh, and 
um, what you think is important about leveraging storytelling? Well, first and foremost, I mean, I, I love the story brand and I love Donald Miller and I love that he you know put that work together. But I'm, I'm a big guy going back to the source and figuring out where those things came from. And it's not, it's not unique to Donald Miller. It's, he did not come nope. up with any of those concepts. You can go back to Joseph Campbell. That's a great place to start that stuff from. But you can also go back to decades upon decades of theater to look at the story brand. And story selling, and I did record a, a podcast episode on it, and it's, it's very easy. And people need to hear this all the time over and over and over again. Customers do business with people they know, like, and trust. And we know that, but, but we can only really understand it from the marketing capacity of, yep, okay, I got to move them through the funnel. It's got to be no like a trust. Yep, 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 got it. What does it take for someone to know you? And it's, it, is, it is exciting when someone sits with me at a restaurant and I tell them aviation lore stories about being at 150 feet in Afghanistan and not being sure if I'm going to be able to pitch over the mountain. Or, you know, being, they're always low altitude, 150 feet in Colorado, 150 feet in, in Florida. And I look down at the turn and look up and I was 15 feet above the ground, 15 degrees, nose low. It's scary, but it, (laughs) it helps you be able to relate to me. And the same concepts happening right now, when I'm, when I am saying that the same fears that approached me as an eight figure entrepreneur moving to nine are the same that happens when somebody's thinking about leaving their job is are you simply relatable? So, you know, my take on it right now is that yeah. every single person in the world, I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or a parent, you need to be a person of interest. Be genuine. And to me, there's only, there's three ways that you could do uh, educational, you can do entertaining. And, you know, really beyond that, that's, that's really the only two that you need to do. If you could just be educational, entertaining, you don't even really need to go any further than that. Can you tell a compelling story and can you connect the dot and close the story? And it's, you know, it's interesting in these podcasts, I'm doing it right now. Hook story, close. I give you the intro and then I close the story and I connect it back to the audience. So it's a you know, very meta view of this here. But from a story selling capacity is that do you have the ability to connect with your audience? And perhaps the audience is your child. I think you said seven, five, three, and one. They will follow you when you when you tell them a compelling story about why they need to go to bed and how it excites them and engages their curiosity. They're going to be more compelled to follow you. That's why I mean business just isn't that hard. We just need to cycle people through a very affable human experience so they can join you on the backside as someone that they choose to do business with and associate with. I'm still stuck on the. 15 feet in Florida, 15 degrees nose low at 550 knots. Yeah, that one, that, not 550. I was an A-10 pilot, so it was 250. But oh, there's okay. one rule, Austin, they say never look down in a turn. And, and you know, this is like the no like, trust thing. I mean, I can tell you a hundred times that you need to go know, like, and trust. And then as a marketer yourself, you guys go look and you go triage someone. You go, what's your funnel look like? How do they engage with you? And even though I know it intrinsically and I teach it, in my community, when someone comes to the summit chase and I go do that, sometimes you just can't see it. Yep. And that's what's beautiful about having a, a mentor. Someone once told me that a mentor is someone who holds up in a mirror and a flashlight. I have multiple mentors. Sometimes they're in a paid capacity. Sometimes they're in an unpaid capacity. But Austin, to your point, never look down in a turn. That's one of the key training rules. And what did I do? Uh, three feet at one o'clock, one, and I'm looking down to go, oh man, that was a really good bomb pass. And I need to write that thing down. And I'll look up and I've got a face full of, of dirt in Florida. And you go, oh, that was, that was really bad. I may have found myself impacting the ground there. 
And what do you do? I mean, you never tell a soul, right? You, you bury that way down deep and you keep it way quiet. How do you apply that to um, all of your stateside, all your civilian, all your customers when they're going through, when they're, you know, they're coming to you for advice and uh, you, you just need to apply that to, you know, what stage in the funnel do you look at? What stage in the process you just go through? Is it basically, I mean, it's the same as rock climbing, right? You never look down while you're doing that because then you just kind of freeze. Just basically, am I getting this right? The takeaway is just focus on the moment and what needs to be done then. Yeah, absolutely. One of the one of the things that I think about being an entrepreneur, it's so boring. You find yourself saying the same things time and time and time and time again. I could tell the listener right now, hey, you just need to change your identity. You need to assume the identity of the person that you want to become and start to act like that. You first have to be the person so that you can do the actions and then you can have the results. But the way that hits today is going to be different than the way that hits tomorrow because you are changing. So for me as the leader, as I continue to evolve, whether I'm doing sales, outbound sales, whether I'm leading my team, I say the same things from a culture standpoint, it's communication, initiative, and accountability, communication, initiative, and accountability. I say the same things, but then it resonates in the same way when I'm writing a proposal or when I'm engaging someone, because the same reasons that someone would choose to follow me as a leader is the same reasons yeah. that someone would choose to follow me as a business partner or a, or a you know, provider, vendor, whatever it is. So, you know, the, the short story there, Austin, is it just gets boring. It's not sexy. It's not like being a cop, you know, running out there, engaging people, kicking in doors. It's not like flying jets. And when you say the same thing over and over and over and over again, eventually the consistency is what wins. Yeah, I think that's very, very relatable to being a cop because there's nothing sexy about being a cop. Um, for every every you know ten second burst that I got to be in a foot pursuit, or I got to actually kick a door, or you know I got to be in a vehicle chase, uh, I got to go back to the desk and I got to do reports and reports and reports. And for you, because I, I've done this kind of, same kind of thing, not nearly the reps that you have, but for every hour that you spent in the air, think all the pre flights that you did, all the weather briefings that you did, all the everything that went into that especially stateside when you have to worry about, you know, your airspace and all that. Uh, but it does, it comes down to being consistent. And uh, that was one of the things that saved me several times on the street. Um, literally saved my life a couple of times is just being consistent and guys know who you are and what you're about and what you're going to do and what they can expect from you. That's right. Business is no different. So as cops are making their transition, I mean, everybody's going to make a transition and you're going to do something else, whether or not you're going to go be an employee for someone else or you're going to take the leap to go do it yourself. It's about consistency. Yeah. And I think one of the key points here too, for the audience to hear is that you take your experiences with you, right? It's, it's not, especially when you are leaving your law enforcement, military first responder career to go into something that is totally unrelated. There's not a clean break. It's not like you just leave all that behind and it doesn't come with you and it doesn't impact what you are currently doing. It absolutely does. And in fact, I would say that um, uh, the the place where you find uh, total effectiveness is when you can draw a correlation between the experience and knowledge that you have in that career to what you're doing now. Right. And so when things really, um, tripped a light bulb for me, for example, uh, was when I realized that, uh, narrative transportation theory 
which I learned in law enforcement when I went through an interview interrogation school as somebody who is a uh, certified voice stress analyzer examiner. Um, I realized that narrative transportation theory was the foundation of story brand, right? So like you said earlier, story brand didn't, Donald Miller didn't create these ideas. He was just smart enough to take them all and put them together in one place from where all the sources he got them from. Um, but narrative transportation theory, the idea that story is how human brains are wired and, and can communicate is taken from that. And I, I went, wait a second. I actually have far greater experience in the application of narrative transportation theory than probably any marketer out there that has gone through story brand school. Right. And so when I realized that, that was when I was like, aha, you know, and so, um, my point in bringing that around is because I want, first of all, the audience to understand that as you leave your law enforcement career, you've got to carry those experiences with you and reshape them in a way that you can utilize them in what you're doing now, because that's what makes you unique. That's what makes you who you are. And that's what you bring to the table in value. And so with that, Luke, I want to pick your brain a little bit and ask you, what are some of the things that you would say or the big takeaways from your uh, career in the Air Force that really shaped you as a CEO and, and how did you apply those? I think what you just said is so salient, Adam, and it's just worth sticking there for just a second. And, and I'll do my best to rephrase or reframe that, is that you are the grand sum of your learned and lived experiences. And you don't throw any of those away. Some experiences learned or lived that you applied as a law enforcement officer now have application as a business owner. They are sometimes useful and sometimes not useful. So as you begin to repurpose those learned and lived experiences, you can now straighten them back out into something that's now more, more useful for you. Cops, let's not kid around. What, what is a cop? A cop is a therapist. A cop uses the same behavioral patterns that a therapist does to change emotional states when they, when they walk up and, you know, one of the things that cops probably have as a disadvantage to them is that most of those confrontate, well, I, I don't know, I'm not a cop, but a lot of those confrontational states have altered chemical no, instances, never drug induced, alcohol induced. Most people <laughs> don't walk into a therapist and go, you know what? I'm really stoned out of my mind today. Or I've, you know, I've hammered 32, you know, butt ices or whatever. I don't know. Is there butt ice? Yeah. <laughs> But you know the point of it is you have those learned and lived experiences. So what is it going to what how will that translate? And the the thing Adam, I literally I just cannot implore people enough. You already have every single tool that you need to be successful in business. And I don't even fault you if you choose not to do so. But if you have the concept of how do you deal with an irate customer? Go back to your skills as a cop. If you want to know how you're going to deal with an employee who's not sure that they culturally align with your company. Go back to your skills as a cop. You want to figure out how, you know, I, I tell this story too, Adam, this is funny. I was probably the best salesman in the world when I was flying that jet because I was out there getting ready to be the broker of death. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we were shooting so close to where the friendlies were that that might be your own life that's a hell of a sell, right? I need to sell confidence in me. I need to sell 
technical awareness. I need to sell a belief that you're going to be either relieved of your pain or shown the pleasure. And that's it. That's the hardest sell I've ever done is trying to get someone to let me shoot danger close. So what I would tell you is that those learned and lived experiences are the components that will become the foundations for how you succeed. But I, I swear to God, I can Absolutely. take every single cop in the world. Maybe, maybe not all of them. Some of them might be knuckleheads. But the fact that you're listening to this podcast tells me that you're at least curious enough to know that there might be something else out there that I can learn. And what I would implore you to do is take everything that you know right now and restructure them into something that's more useful for you in your money-making pursuits. It's funny that you touch on the sales component too, because I tell cops all the time when uh, they tell me that they suck at sales and they have no idea how to do sales. And it's the thing that they're the worst at. And I say, well, no, you, you, you have the skills that that should actually be the one thing that you're best at. And they say, well, what do you mean? I tell them, well, have you ever talked somebody into handcuffs when you didn't have backup? Guess you're a salesman, right? So, I mean, it's uh, you're, you're absolutely right there. Well, that's a, that's a great connection back there, Adam. That's a great example of sales. And I, you know, it's, it, when people say I'm, I'm not very good at anything, it's that when they say that is a limiting belief. And, and the, the kicker, and I talk about this a lot, about limiting beliefs, is a, I cannot tell you that a, a belief that you hold dear is limiting because it only represents your map of the territory. It's the way that you see the world. It is, it's not a limiting belief for you. It is truth for you. My whole job is to help someone see a broader perspective. It's like being in the, you know, if you can imagine being in the back of a van with no windows, if I can move myself forward all the way till I put my nose on the glass, I can now see that the horizon is more expansive than I thought it was. Or if I can look in the rearview mirror, I can see that there actually is a world that I could not see. And it's no different right now as, as people consider what, you know, especially in this economic downturn, what am I going to do? What impact am I going to make? I just want you to see the world more expansively as if everything that you desire is already possible and you're already on a predestined path to accomplish it. Hey man, I think that's as good a uh, final word as I could have asked you for. So I'm going to, I'm just going to leave that on a mic drop, but why don't you go ahead and uh, let everybody know, Luke, how, how can they connect with you? Uh, social media is what, whatever. Yeah. I most easy. Just go to lukelayman.com. You can find out all the ways that you can connect on your favorite social media platform of choice, but love to have you listen on the Sh uh, shift work podcast. That's where I spend the majority of my time. And I spend an enormous amount of effort simply trying to leave behind a trail of better humans. And that starts with me. So I make these changes on a daily basis. And if I can have an impact on someone else, me first, then my kids, my wife, and those around me that I would consider today a success. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of you having me on the podcast today, um, Adam and Austin. It's been great to join you. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the end of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review at leo2ceo.com forward slash podcast dash review or in your preferred podcast listening app. I would love to hear your feedback and it will also help other compreneurs like yourself find the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Just go to leo2ceo.com, click on podcast and search this episode number and you'll find all the links, descriptions and resources we talked about.
And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you guys on the next episode.